Hello, welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Ressler, and joining me as always is Robbie Sherry, and we're here to help you close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. Robbie, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and last time we left off with talking about blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We talked about meekness from a biblical perspective, and and also how the world sees meekness. We talked about what it means to inherit the earth. This week we talk about those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and how they are satisfied. And Mm -hmm. where I kind of want to start this is maybe at the end. And let's talk about satisfaction. Because I think, and I think you'd agree with this, whatever we hunger and thirst for, mm-hmm. right, is going to, on some level, determine the uh, amount of satisfaction that we get. So if we hunger, like my kids, right, they're teenagers, right, they hunger and thirst for like candy and fast food. And then they go and they eat it, and it doesn't really satisfy. And, and I think from a world's perspective, what we hunger and thirst for, our own righteousness, self-righteousness, those kinds of things. It's like hungry and thirst for candy or fast food or something like that, and it doesn't satisfy. And so what Jesus is promising here is really the deepest satisfaction one can imagine. And he says, in order to gain that satisfaction, you've got to really hunger and thirst for righteousness. So talk to me about righteousness. Right. What, what's he, what, what kind of righteousness is he talking about? Well, as the prophet Mick Jagger said, <laughs> he can't yes. get any satisfaction, <laughs> right? Because he's, he's pursuing the stuff. You mean Jesus your, can't get any? No, no okay. Mick Jagger himself. Mick Jagger can't even get the, any Even the rest of the Rolling Stones. The truth. Yeah. yeah. And they yeah. try and they try, right, but right, they yeah. just can't Yeah, that's actually a them. really great point. I mean, that right? I mean, that song's super popular. Why are songs super popular? Because on some level they resonate. It's honest. We all kind of feel that way. It's honest. That's right. That's exactly he just right. had the intellectual honesty to go, yeah, no, and hmm. I'm Mick Jagger, and right. I've tried all this stuff, Correct. and I can't. Yeah. I, I've always found that just fascinating. That and we is. sing along with it and go, yeah, I don't know if I agree with him, but there's a catchy tune. But at some level, he's he's very right. We pursue these things that we've elevated to be idols, is what you'd say from a biblical standpoint. But the things of earth that we find are worth pursuing, and more often than not, we do attain them. Very few people set unreachable goals. Mm-hmm. And when we do, there's a level of, I, well, I, I think if we're honest, there's, there's satisfaction. There's a, there's an achievement. I want to hang the, you know, it's people that run a marathon. Hey, I love you. But there are people that run the marathon. They get the courtesy medal. Right. Totally. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that has to go on the wall somewhere. Right. right. So that when you come over as a guest, they go, yeah, I just, right. just finished another marathon. <laughs> well, you know what? It's so funny that you say that. I mean, there was a time in my life where me and my brother, just kind of something to do together. Like he and I would like I join like, I don't know, the Spartan race or right. like these different like the boulder challenges. Boulder the boulder boulder. Yeah. yeah. Boulder boulder is a little different because you don't really get a medal at the end. But okay. but but the, like the Spartan race and these kinds of things. And they do. They give you like these courtesy medals and like you get your picture taken in front of the board. Right. And, right. and after about three or four of those, like I have these like courtesy medals like in my sock drawer. <laughs> right. And... And I'm like, why am I keeping these? Like, how many of these do I really need to get? Like, I'm not going to hang them on a... Like, I didn't finish first Whatever. or they're, anything they're like over that. over there in your office wall. I can see them. <laughs> they're not on my office wall. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, these are just... This is just junk, Yeah. right? Now, I mean, is there great satisfaction yes. in finishing a marathon? I don't want to Like, all of, all of that kind of stuff. Correct. But the point is, is that that satisfaction is fleeting. It's temporary. It is temporary. For a moment, it's awesome. I remember the first time I finished a Spartan race, which is like, you know, all these obstacles, yeah. and you're carrying these boulders, and it's like this strongman competition, mm-hmm. but you're running like a 10K, yeah. you know, running through fire at the end and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's it's kind of nutty, right? You got all these people cheering you right. on and, and all that kind of stuff, and... 
And I mean, you get to the end and I mean, it's legit. I mean, like it's physically demanding and taxing and you're exhausted and you're covered in mud and gross and muck, but you finish. And there is a sense of which like, dang, yeah, I just accomplished something. And then Monday comes. And and then you like go and like wash off and change your clothes and grab like whatever the free snack is in a Michelob Ultra or something like that. Right. And And pancake breakfast or something. And then you drive home and you're like... So now, now, now what, like what, what is going to be my thing? And even if you're like super passionate about that stuff and you, you know, train for like the full Spartan deal that you can do like the full Spartan, it's like three different races. I mean, the ultra Spartan and all this other stuff, even if you do all of that at the end of the day, you will reach a point in time in your life where that diminishing returns because physically Mm -hmm. it's just too much. Your body starts to break down. If mentally you're all about achieving like intellectual degrees or yeah. whatever. At, at some point in time, your, your brain starts to, you lose your mental acuity. Mm-hmm. Professionally, there's an arc to everybody's career. Right. You know, you can't just keep going up, up and up. And so if you're deriving satisfaction from any of those things, at some point in time, you're going to end up where Mick Jagger ended up. Right. I can't get no satisfaction. If we're honest, that's, I think that's it's right. true for a lot of our pursuits mm-hmm. in terms of, I think that's why a lot of, a lot of people struggle with retirement. Mm. It's such this thing on the horizon and then you get it mm-hmm. and then people kind of go, okay, I've, I've played my golf. I've right. done my traveling. Now what? Yeah. Or I mean, at a, at a lower level, it's the, I've saved and I've saved and I've saved and I finally got the car that I wanted or I got the, you know, name, name your thing. And at some level, I guess I just want to recognize there is a little happiness. There's a little, of course. Yeah. And then you spill in mm-hmm. the car seat or you right. get the totally. scratch on the new phone or you get the, and you right. go, and the right. newer version comes out and the dissatisfaction cycle starts again. So what Jesus yeah. is offering is this thing that's truly satisfying that if right. you pursue righteousness, mm-hmm. you don't just don't make it a side thing, but you really hunger and thirst for it, that you will experience the satisfaction that doesn't diminish, that doesn't go away, that doesn't fade over time, I suppose. So, then it becomes the question, what righteousness are we talking about? Right, yeah. And, and, uh, and that is where you turn into the Bible and you have to say, okay, how does the Bible define righteousness? How does Jesus, in this case, define righteousness? He's the one talking. He's the one speaking. When he says to his disciples, hunger, if you're going to hunger and thirst for anything. Right. Like, and I, you know, we don't know. I mean, this is just a series of statements, the mm-hmm. Sermon on the Mount, right? We don't know actually what the full sermon was or those kinds of things. Right. Like, but I can almost imagine Jesus saying to his disciples, like, hey, if, if you're going to hunger and thirst for anything, and he's, of course, talking to people who, you know, lived in the first century. We're talking like subsistence, like right. lifestyles, like hunger and thirst are like major issues for them day by day Daily. by day by yes. day, right? I mean, so he says, if you're going to hunger and thirst for anything, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Mm-hmm. And there he's not talking about a self-righteousness. He's not talking about a, because these are not like upwardly mobile people that he's talking to. His disciples are kind of this ragtag bunch of like misfits, mm-hmm. fishermen and tax collectors. I mean, these are not the upwardly mobile of Judean society that he's like dealing with. He's not dealing with like the cream of the crop or like the elite or anything like that. These are like the dregs. These are just like ordinary guys, Mm -hmm. you know, these kind of pulled from all these different backgrounds and professions. And they have all these like, 
you know, who knows what life experiences they're coming from, all these different life experiences. And he says, okay, he goes, Here, here's the deal. Like, I want you to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And you can almost imagine like Matthew, the tax collector going, you mean I'm not supposed to hunger and thirst for like money? Like getting ahead. Right. You can imagine like the zealot, Simon the zealot going, you mean I'm not supposed to like hunger and thirst for like the re- the restoration of Israel? Like, right. like I, I thought that's what this was all. I, I, I thought this was that, that was this. You're going to restore... Israel. Israel, like, yeah. like we're going to go kill Romans. I was going to say, and right? like I'm, that, I'm and, God's and, vehicle. And I get to be that guy. I have my dagger like sharpened yeah. and ready, right? And you got, you know, Peter over there with James and John and Andrew, and they're like talking about fish. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, you know, and Jesus says, yeah, like put all of that aside. What I want you to hunger and thirst for is righteousness. Now, as Jews, they would have immediately understood what he was talking about when he said righteousness, because for the Jewish people, righteousness was a thing. And what was that for the Jewish folks? I mean, it's the law of Moses. Right, right. Right, it's this mm-hmm. impossibly high standard. Right. You know, when when they get it, it's this mm-hmm. this target mm-hmm. that goes from 10 to, what, 613 yeah, right, right, laws and right. becomes very legalistic. And it's, I mean, I would hear that. And and mm-hmm. unless Jesus goes on to explain it a little bit more, mm-hmm. go, man, are you, like, I got to check the box. Mm-hmm. On 613 things. Well, right. There's that <laughs> aspect. But even probably even deeper than that, I would say, just from a positive perspective, they would have immediately thought righteousness equals right with God. Okay. Right? You know, right. and so, yeah. Now, how do we get right with God? Right? We keep the law and we, we're, we're, we're faithful to the covenant and all of those kinds of yeah. things. But, but they would have immediately thought right with God. Like, mm. that's what it means. So I, that's what I'm supposed to hunger and thirst for, is to be right with God. Right. Now, that, I think, shifts everything. Right. I mean, you think about for us, you can think about all the things you hunger and thirst for, but do we really hunger and thirst to be right with God? In an ideal world, yes. Yes, right. Pragmatically, right. Probably not. And and to your yeah. point that you said earlier, this I mean, they're going fishing every day. Right, right. It's not a I just go fishing on right. Monday because right. there's no refrigeration. Correct. Right. There's very little that you can do outside of yeah. salt to preserve food. So they right. go fishing. I mean, yeah, even if you evening. kill it one night, right. it's like, now what do I do? I gotta sell all this fish. Sell it, you know, I, I eat I it or trade it. Totally. Yeah. Every single day. And it's mm-hmm. I think it's difficult for people on our side of the world or in our circumstance to really understand what it means to hunger yeah, and thirst. Right. I think you said in your sermon last week, the idea of fasting oh. and like most Westerners, yeah. you know, the only time they hear of fasting is intermittent right. fasting for right. the sake of shedding weight or getting sculpted abs or something like that. Totally. But to be in their position to really know mm-hmm. what it means to be hungry to the point right. that it becomes, I think you said it in your sermon, like your sole focus becomes food right, and Forget every taste, anything. If it's food, right. you're eating it. If you're truly hungry. And I think the singularity of focus, Jesus mm-hmm. is saying, if you focus on being right with God, yeah, everything else that's right. is going to take care of itself and you will be satisfied that's if right. that's your aim. That's right. You know, it's interesting. I've been in places where people are starving, right? Where I've seen yeah. hunger on a, on a level that you, know, you, don't, you just don't see in our country, right? I've been in refugee camps and in war-torn areas where... They, they literally are not getting enough food. It doesn't matter. I mean, the UN is doing their best on some level, right, to provide them like a staple every mm-hmm. day to like hopefully keep them from starvation. Yeah. But on some level, they it's, it's not enough. They've got to trade some of that grain, that wheat, 
it's typically wheat that they give that they're given. They've got to trade some of that so they might get some oil so they can mix with the wheat in order to make bread. They've got to trade it for a mortar and pestle so they can grind the wheat. And right. you know, I mean, so like they're not getting enough food and they're wasting away and they're starving. And when you when you set food in front of them, right? I mean, they just you want to talk about hunger and and seeking set. I mean, they just immediately just gorge themselves on some level. And of course it makes sense because you're so hungry or you think about, I mean, I've been in places where there's great drought and then all of a sudden the rains come and the, they're just falling on their faces to quench their thirst. Right. And so I've, I've been to these places, I've seen these kinds of things. And when I think of hunger and thirst for righteousness or to be right with God, like I do think that is the kind of hunger and thirst that Jesus is calling for, for us to have for God. Do you think you know? there's, I mean, because one of the things I love about the Bible is that it's, it's like you, I think you say it's written for us, but it's not written to us. Correct. Yeah. Right. Right. So there has to be a truth to it for the original audience. Yep. That's right. That also transcends time. Yes. That's true for us that's as right. well. So I guess my first question is, do you think living in the 21st century in a first world country that we have something similar that we hunger and thirst, like that are singularly mm-hmm. focused towards, and then their understanding of righteousness being being right with God and having this, mm-hmm. this law of Moses that's sort of been spoken mm-hmm. throughout generation to generation, and now we're on the other side of the cross, right, and right. how has righteousness been defined for us? Well, yeah, you're probably talking about how it's been corrupted on some level for us, right? Correct. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. I mean, just like it was corrupted for them on some level, it's sure. corrupted for us as well. We don't obviously seek to follow the Ten Commandments or the Levitical law. Obviously, that's not something that we hunger and thirst for is to right. be right with God in that way. In that way. I would actually argue that what we hunger and thirst for most as I talk to people day in and day out, whether it's people in the church, outside the church, believers, non-believers, uh, the common theme that I hear over and over again, if I'm going to use this as the framework, this mm-hmm. verse is the framework, is the thing that we hunger and thirst for most is to be right with self. Interesting. So you think about like all the debates we're having around like gender. Right. It's an, it's an, the reason why we're struck, it's all identity. We want right? to know who we are and be all about, satisfied right. with who we That's are. That's exactly right. So identity politics, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about being right with self, being true to yourself. What, however you define selfhood, the most important thing to hunger and thirst for is to be right with yourself. Wow. And if that means your, your physical body doesn't reflect yourself, then you're going to do whatever's necessary to your physical body in order to make it right with self. If your, you know, your mind is not right, I mean, whether it's body, mind, soul, spirit, uh, ideology, politics, social, friendship groups, like this spills out into everything. Mm. And that's why it's so hard for folks because when someone comes up and says, yeah, I, I don't agree. It's not just we're having a disagreement. You're actually attacking my self or my understanding of self. And so now all of a sudden I'm going to come after you or I'm going to, you know, we're going to do this back and forth thing because we're not able to, because the thing that we hunger and thirst for most, I guess, is to be right with self. And so when other people come around us that don't have that same view of selfhood that we do, that's why we take it as such a personal attack. Right. And so Jesus comes along Mm -hmm. and says... You've got to take up the cross daily right, right. and die to self. Die to self, right. Oh, yeah. That that's right. flies in the face of well, that. That's why the American so, church never talks about that kind of stuff. Right. 
I mean, honestly, like, we, uh, I mean, I talk to pastors across the country, and I mean, I'm thankful. I mean, here at our church, we do talk about that. We talk about do. that yeah. with regularity, because I believe that's an essential component of the gospel. But I'm telling you, the American evangelical church at large, sort of just I'm, I'm broad generalizations, of course, but at large, it's not about death to self. It's about moral therapeutic deism. Jesus is here to be your self-help guru. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's why it attracts so many people because they're sort of combining now the right with self with Jesus. Jesus is here to actually make you right with yourself. Wow, that's that's that is the it's kind of syncretism. Oh, right? it is. It's, it's but it's the trajectory of on some level the American church. It's why again so much of it is Christian self help and not really the gospel. Right, right? and and it's why that we have done a bait and switch or we've done this exchange of things and we've exchanged the righteousness of God for the righteousness of self. And rather than fight with everything we've got against self-righteousness or being right with self or however you want to define that, rather than fight against that with everything we've got, we've just said, you know what? We're going to embrace this because if the more we embrace this and the better we embrace this, the more people we can attract on some level. Ouch. I mean, well, it is. It, right. it no. stings, dude. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, fire emojis. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, then, <laughs> like, I mean, right. I mean, look at what gets put out on Twitter. Look right. at what gets put out on Instagram. Sure. Look at what gets put out on all of these different things. It's such a desire to be right with self. So, I mean, it's, it is crazy. And I'm, again, I'm not saying that, oh, Pepsi's got it right. We don't. Right. I'm the senior pastor. We don't have it right. I, we do our best. Mm-hmm. But we do not get it right. I mean, week in and week out, I'm having to battle this right with self because I want everything in me wants to get up in the pulpit and promote myself on some level. Sure. I'm telling you, I have to fight that every single week. And yet, two weeks ago, so, you said, I don't even know if I'm qualified to be your pastor, correct. right? Which right. I actually right. love. I, I love right. that you just go. But I had to wrestle with that. I'm a broken guy. Right. You know, leading to broken people. Totally. And I think the... the One beggar, you know, trying to find tell another beggar where to find bread, right? right. I mean, that's one guy famously. The hunger and thirsting implies this this pursuit. I mean, I'm I'm not reading the first century language. I don't know if it's a progressive verb, but it's the idea of you're continually pursuing Mm. righteousness. It's not a, you tried it once, you did it, move on to the next thing. So I, I love that. And then righteousness, I don't know about for you, but... You know, Jesus has later in the Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. he's talking about, you know, getting right with your brother. Yeah. And he's saying, hey, you're coming to offer gifts at the altar and they realize your brother's got something against you. Like, just just leave your gift. Right. Go get right with him. And I think of us pursuing being right with God. And I guess I'd love to hear your thoughts on how that's maybe looks different for us living in 21st century America compared to the original listeners of this. Well, I do think it's an orientation of the heart, and I do think it's a continual pursuit, like you said. I mean, Mm -hmm. hunger and thirst is something that we experience every single day. It's not like you ever wake up one day and be like, oh, yeah, like I'm not hungry today. Yeah, I'm not going to eat today. I mean, something's wrong with you on some level. Unless you're a snake and you've got like a half-digested pig in you, then you don't eat for like a week. Assuming that Jesus is not talking about snakes here. Okay, okay. Gotcha, yeah. Assuming he's talking to, to human beings, creating right. the image of God, they experience hunger. Right, right. What right. a weird tangent. Yeah, it's just a caveat. Anyway, uh, um, yes, assuming you are not like a snake, yeah. but instead more like God, right, in whose image you're created. You hunger and thirst every you day. 
hunger and you have thirst every single day. So there is a continual aspect to this. And sure. the, so it's not just a one moment in time kind of thing. That's why like folks who have like mountaintop spiritual experiences, which are really awesome, by the way. Great. But they are not enough to sustain you. Every day you have got to find food. Mm-hmm. Every day you've got to find drink. So every day in, in this context, in this verse, you've got to find God. Yeah. And guess what? Every day can't be a mountaintop. That's right. Right. So that we just we just saw the Asbury revival go by. Mm-hmm. Right. And there was for days it went on as people hungered and thirsted for God. And it was awesome. And it yeah. sort of spread. It's, you know, there's different places where more revivals breaking out. And you know what? I pray it just continues like wildfire and spreads across the globe. But you know what? Every revival in history has come to an end That's at some right. point. And the hunger and thirst for God remains. Hmm. So you can't rely. Those are awesome. Ex- I know people who have gotten on planes and traveled to Kentucky, to Kentucky in really? order to be wow. part of that from across the U.S. And I think that's beautiful. I think that's wonderful. I think that shows a, a desire in their hearts to be close to mm-hmm. God. I, I honor that. But at the same time, guess what? They're going to have to get on a plane and come back to life as well. Right. And Monday so, happens. Right. And so you have to hunger and thirst for God. That has to be an orientation of the heart, an orientation of your life. Like this is something that I'm going to do every single day and I'm going to cultivate every single day. I actually want that. I mean, I was talking to one of my kids and we were talking about hunger and how my child perceives hunger as a bad thing. So yeah. every time they're hungry, they eat. Okay. Right? And and we were talking about how just because you're hungry doesn't necessarily mean you have to eat. Right. Okay? It's 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 actually an okay it's like you it's, it's an okay feeling. It's okay to feel hungry. Like, mm-hmm. like hunger isn't a bad thing, right? Now, starvation's a bad thing. Right. Extreme hunger is a bad thing. Food insecurity is a bad thing. These are all bad things. But but just the just feeling hungry, your stomach growling, that's not a bad thing. That's just your body telling you, yeah, I need sustenance. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to eat, by the way. I mean, like, right. go, go whatever. But the point is, don't look at it as a bad thing. Don't look at it as every time I, I feel a hunger pang, I've got to go take care of that. No, no you don't. You, you actually don't have to, right? And I think, in the, in the Christian life, sometimes that's how we treat God. Like every time I have like a hunger pang for God, I got to go find a way to satisfy that. And so I'm going to search for all these different right. experiences in order to get that hunger pang satisfied. It's actually like, whoa, 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 time out, time out. It's actually okay to be hungry for God. Hmm. Yeah. That's actually an, a, a, should be a normative thing. That should be an okay thing that, that will drive you to God. And that's a good thing. But don't try and satiate that hunger by looking for the next spiritual high or the next big spiritual experience or the next revival that comes down the line. Like don't, don't be chasing that. That's chasing. That's like chasing a high. It's chase God. Yes. You know, that's the only way, as Jesus says, they will be satisfied. The Mm. only way you're going to be satisfied is if you develop a gospel centered confidence that God is with you every minute of every hour of every day He's totally available for you, whether you feel it or not, mm-hmm. whether you sense his presence or not, no matter whether you're having a good day, a bad day, otherwise, it doesn't really matter. Like God is with you. He is there. And I'm going to find my satisfaction in him, not in me, in him, not mm-hmm. in some experience, no matter how awesome it is in him. Right. You know, that's great. Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're see students, students do this all the time, right? I mean, they, we send them off to retreats. I was going to say, and they have, a, we have and, so many retreats, right? right? Like, nothing wrong advance? with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But what, what we've done in the American church is we've brought the retreat experience into like the every week, right? With yeah. the big Christian concert followed by like an inspiring message. 
and with the hope that people are walking out on that emotional yeah. high. And again, on some level, I wonder if we're just kind of promoting this, you know, almost almost like an addiction to the high itself rather than a hunger and a thirst for God. I think that's well said. Yeah. I think that, yeah, righteousness in its, in its daily rhythms mm-hmm. is probably, um, I'd say it's a difficult sell because yeah. it doesn't have the lights and yes. camera and that's sparkle right. around it. That's righteousness right. on the daily, if you're hungering mm-hmm. and thirsting for righteousness daily, it's, it's orienting your heart more towards the man or woman God's called you to be, yeah. knowing at some level that in your pursuit, there will be repeated failures, mm-hmm. but you're going to wake up the next morning and you're, gonna, you're going to attempt again. It's this grace-driven effort idea of knowing yeah. that it's not, it's not your own merit. It's not your own, you're not willing yourself to godliness, but it is engaging in these practices. And I think, I don't know about you, but I look over the last, gosh, I've been walking with the Lord for 26 years, something like mm-hmm. that, 20, more than that. And I, I'm not, I think it's, is it N.T. Wright that talks about this idea of long obedience in the same direction? Yeah. Like well, I I'd think like they're to, all quoting Nietzsche because it came from Nietzsche originally, but Eugene Peterson quotes it, uh, N.T. Wright quotes it. Yeah. yeah this idea that it is, it's a long obedience in the same direction. That's what I want my life marked by. Mm-hmm. And am I, you know, you have this sort of vision when you're 14, 15 mm-hmm. years old of, you know, what it will look like when you're a 50 year old Christian. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I fulfilled that. Mm-hmm. And yet when I look back over my life and I can, I can see these growth points, mm-hmm. like that's, that's really encouraging to mm-hmm. me in terms of what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness on a daily where it's not, yeah. it's not all these, it's not peak skipping. Right, 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 right. Well, I mean, there's that, there's that, there's that, I don't even know what to call it. There's that idea out there, I think, that if you practice something enough, right? This idea like 10,000 hours of practice to master something. Yeah, yeah, Malcolm Gladwell, right? Like on some level, like that's the long obedience in the same direction that we're talking about, right? right? If you you put 10,000 hours into practicing your Christian faith, Mm. right? Not that you become a master of the Christian faith. There's only one master of the Christian faith and that's Christ, but you do achieve greater and greater satisfaction you go. In him. You do achieve that. Yeah. And, and that's not, not that's not because you work so hard. It's because when you truly seek to die to self every single day, I'm going to crucify myself mm. every day. I'm going to die to myself and my desires and the things that I know, that I experience, I feel that are not from God. They don't honor God. And instead, I'm going to exchange those desires for other desires. Like when I do that every day, consistently over time, what happens is my appetite for Christ grows and grows and grows and grows. And the more it grows, the more he satisfies. Now, when I just got started in my Christian faith almost 30 years ago, similar to you almost 30 years ago, my appetite for Christ was thin at best, Yeah, right? So the mountaintop stuff could satisfy it Hmm. because I could go on a retreat once a year and like that would sustain me all year long, right? Right. 30 years later, dude, that that didn't even touch me on some level. (laughs) Right. Now, maybe it's because I'm a cynic and I got all these yeah, ideas. Like, sure. you know, it's like, you know, like the worst kind of critic on some level when I go into those experiences because yeah. I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. But um, and I don't want to diminish those things. But but I think for me, it's like the every day. It's like my appetite for I need him every day. Like mm. I, can't, I can't go a year yeah. without experiencing. I can't go a day without sitting in his presence, right? Yeah. And that's because the, my appetite for him has just increased and increased and increased. And Jesus says, the more you hunger and thirst for righteousness the more you're going to be satisfied. Just to, to kind of take his words here and put them 
into even more of a, to bring a fine point on them, right? I mean, those right. who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they're going to be the ones who are get satisfied. So mm-hmm. any final thoughts on that? I just think that's one of the secrets. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's how people who are going through really difficult times, you look at them and go, mm-hmm. how can you seem so content right yeah. now? How yeah. can you, I, I think what's, what we need to acknowledge in that is that we, we all want satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're all, we're all pursuing it. We, yeah. uh, we are right. all pursuing it in some way, shape or that's form. Right. We, we don't maybe acknowledge that. Yeah. And I think if we can identify the things that we're pursuing mm-hmm. and then step back a little bit and go, is it really yeah. doing what I thought it would be doing? Yeah. And answer no, then yeah. that's what this podcast is about, I suppose. I, well, it really is. And, and just to, you know, you think about going back to the disciples, right? Who are listening to this, right? The Bible's written to them, right? Right. It, it, and so they're listening to this. And here, here are 12 guys, right? Now, one of them's going to betray Jesus, so take him off the board. Right. 11 guys. 10 of whom are going to be martyred in the most horrific ways. Yeah. And the guy that doesn't get martyred, like that lives a long life, like his life is brutal. It's like it's awful. rough. He lives out his final days in a Roman penal colony. Right. Like that wasn't like a country club by any stretch, right? And all 11 of these guys, I think, if they were sitting around this table today, would be like, yeah, totally worth it. It's worth it. Totally worth it. Yep. Like, get, like do it again. Sign yeah. me up. It's like, well, wait a minute. Like, Peter, you were like crucified upside down. Yeah, do it again. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, send me back, Jesus. Right. Like, you know, kind of thing. I mean, it's really amazing when you think about that. And to your point, kind of where we began this thing, you got guys like Mick Jagger who have everything that the world could possibly offer, and yet they can't get no satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And you contrast that with like Apostle Peter, who has nothing that the world would say is good or right or awesome or any of those kinds of things, and he has the most satisfaction, right? And that's really what we're talking about. And like you said, that's the whole point of the podcast, is yeah. that the way of Jesus offers us that kind of satisfaction. Yeah. And the way of the world, we can't get no satisfaction. Right. So we'll just leave it there. Um, uh, thanks as always to Jake, our guy behind the glass, making us sound good. And our buddy, Billy, who's throwing these podcasts together up in the mountains. Please uh, keep listening as we dive deeper into what it means to follow Jesus in the weeks ahead. We love your comments as always, your reviews on whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcast. And we encourage you to stay subscribed so that you can get uh, the episodes as they drop in future weeks. We'll talk to you next time.